1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
2: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
3: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
2: I could stay here forever.
3: Carvana. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
4: Tonight, breaking news on two major stories. The frantic search for survivors of the building collapse in Surfside, Florida. As the list of the missing gets longer. And in Minneapolis, a judge sends former police officer Derek Chauvin to prison for the murder of George Floyd. Horror and hope. More bodies pulled from the ruins of that destroyed condo complex as the number of people still unaccounted for grows. Tonight, The race against time underneath the rubble, elite search crews tunneling below, stopping to listen for signs of life, Why the next 24 hours are crucial. For at least
5: the first 72 hours, there
4: are high likelihood of people that could be alive in there. Waiting in anguish, the families of the lost standing by for updates, now questioning why the search isn't moving faster. Their frustration turning to anger. We
6: have the authorities, if you're not willing to go in, let us go in.
4: Warning signs, reports of constant flooding, creaking sounds at night, and complaints from residents. New questions about the 40-year-old building. Could the collapse have been prevented? And the lawsuit just filed. Also breaking tonight, a Minneapolis judge sends former police officer Derek Chauvin to prison for more than two decades for murdering George Floyd. The emotional statements in court.
7: If you could say anything to your daddy right now, what would it be? It will be our
4: mission. I love you. Plus, Chauvin breaks his silence what he told Floyd's family. On the border, the vice president travels to El Paso as critics complain the Biden administration isn't doing enough to stop a surge of migrant crossings. And CBS's Steve Hartman on holding out hope and hanging on to memories.
1: This is the CBS Evening News
4: with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Major Garrett in for Nora tonight. We're going to begin with breaking news on the search and the grim reality now setting in at the scene of the devastating building collapse in South Florida. More bodies have been pulled from the pile tonight, pushing the death toll to at least four. In the coming hours and days, it is quite clear that number is likely to grow. As we come on the air, officials in Surfside, Florida, now say there are 159 people unaccounted for, residents and guests, who family members believe could have been in the building when it gave way early Thursday morning. Tonight, the pace of the search on top and underneath of the rubble has increased, with elite crews now tunneling below the ruins as other teams carefully dig through the debris above. For the families wanting answers, the wait is painful with many now questioning why this rescue effort isn't moving faster. At the same time, residents who survived the collapse say there were warning signs that something was wrong, and tonight, the first lawsuit has already been filed. We have a team of CBS News correspondents on the ground talking to rescue crews, families of the missing, as well as survivors. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas is going to lead off our coverage with the latest on the frantic attempt to find people alive. Manny, good evening. Good evening, Major. Tonight, thicker,
8: heavier smoke is rising from the collapse site from a persistent fire that has been smoldering within the rubble. But we also notice smoke billowing from the part of the building that is still standing. An official confirmed to me they are concerned about the structural integrity of that section and the significant danger it poses to rescuers. Tonight, it is a race against time in the most precarious of situations. We can hear behind the walls and so we're digging her out. Today, rescue crews formed bucket brigades to clear debris, delicately trying to reach search areas within the twisted metal and crumbled concrete. Heavy machinery arrived too, and just a few feet away from the rubble, we were reminded of the risks to rescuers.
5: The building you see behind me uh, is also in danger of potential collapse.
8: Each rescue team is also accompanied by a doctor, like trauma surgeon Howard Lieberman. And they remove layer at a time, so basically they're sort of de-layering the pile, so they take off one layer at a time, we go in, we search, see if we can find anything. If not, they take off another layer. The mission also continues below, in a water-filled underground garage. Some rescuers have had to be convinced to take breaks, so dedicated to the task at hand. But given the heat and stress, some 130 firefighters and crew take turns working 15-minute shifts. This is sort of what we do. Um, It is mentally and physically exhausting, but all that hits you when you're done. The crews are sifting through three stories of debris, what's left of the 12-story building that collapsed early Thursday morning. Crews are using search cameras and sonar devices to look for any signs of life. We are listening for sounds. It's not specifically, you know, human sounds. It could be, you know, tapping. It could be steel, uh, you know, kind of twisting. It could be some of the debris kind of raining down. So we concentrate in those areas. Miami-Dade's urban search and rescue team is considered among the best in the world, dispatched to disasters around the country and the globe, including Haiti's 2010 earthquake. This time, the disaster is at home. Retired Miami-Dade Fire Chief Dave Downey.
2: But right now, they're essentially looking for needles in a haystack. While this building came down relatively straight, um, they're not, you know, victims and survivors are not going to be located in the exact area where the building used to stand.
8: Overnight, three more bodies were pulled from the rubble. Today, thunderstorms and small fires slowed down the search. 54-year-old Stacy Fang is the first known victim of the collapse. (sighs) Just yesterday, rescuers pulled her 16-year-old son out of the rubble alive.
5: All of our training tells us that for at least the first 72 hours, there are high likelihood of people that could be alive in there.
8: So far, eight task force teams have been deployed from across the state for the search and rescue mission. Six more are on standby, Major. This is an effort that is likely to
4: last very well into next week. Well, Manuel Bohorcas, thank you so very much. For the families of the missing, the weight for any development, no matter how small, has been agonizing. As the number of unaccounted for grows, hope of finding survivors shrinks. And as CBS's David Begno reports, emotions are raw.
6: We have begged the authorities, if you're not willing to go in, let us go in. Please send someone in, and if not, let us go in. This is the Rosenbergs, surely. Yehuda, and Shauna. They say they feel helpless, and they're not okay with that. Their father, Harold, is a widower. He lived alone on the second floor of the building. His daughter, Malki and her husband, Benny Weiss, were also there, visiting from New Jersey on vacation. I asked the fire marshal, why aren't you just taking rocks off and digging down? And he said, because that puts more pressure. So we're going from underground in the parking garage to dig a hole in a tunnel through there. And when I heard that, I said, if it was your father, your sister, and your brother-in-law, would you send four firemen under a tunnel? They wanted to see more crews digging more often. And this afternoon they did, just as Yehuda collapsed and was treated by paramedics. They snapped this photo of what they say is a chair from their father's condo, which was across from the pool in an area not covered in rubble. That's part of the reason they believe their family members could, could still be alive. We were told that the foundation of the building is still unstable. And because of that, they are not willing to risk lives. But we are, and we have rescue teams that are willing to go in. So let us go in if you're not willing to risk it. With all due respect to the family, the rescuers are risking their lives. But look, there are other family members complaining about the same thing. Other families saying we're not seeing enough rescuers, and they're not spending enough time on that pile actually digging through it. There have also been complaints about not enough information being provided. So now the Miami-Dade Fire Department says we're going to update families every four hours.
4: The last time someone was pulled alive from the rubble was more than 36 hours ago at this point, Major. David Begnaud, thank you. Tonight we are hearing harrowing stories from those inside the building, one from a survivor just a few feet from the part of the building that caved in. And she's also telling us about a history of problems in the complex. And here is CBS's Mark Strassman.
5: In Unit 1106, Jeanette Aguero may have cheated death two apartments away.
3: We walked out and the apartment is, the old floor line is sheared in half and it's like just gone.
5: Gone, but why? One night earlier, Pablo Rodriguez's mother heard something.
2: She just told me that she had woken up around three, four in the morning, um, and had heard like some creaking noises.
5: Forensic inspectors now in the rubble wonder whether something failed underneath the building. To support its weight, the tower's builders had to drive concrete pilings deep into the sandbar. One coastal threat, saltwater intrusion. It can seep into the concrete, corrode the steel inside the pilings, and worst case, shift the base of a building. After the calamity, officials reportedly saw a hole opening up under the
4: garage. They will try to see where the source of the where the water is coming from. And did that penetrate into the columns and foundations? Jeanette Aguero says the
5: garage was often trouble.
3: It was always wet, even when it was dry out. It's a beautiful day and you go... Why am I stepping in a puddle of
5: water to get, in my, to get to the car? As a 40-year-old building, Champlain South's Building Association is by county law required to reinspect the tower's structure and electrical systems. Surfside officials told CBS News Today they have yet to receive that report. Learning the definitive cause could be months away. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
1: You have families that lost loved ones in this building collapse. They have a right to know. This
5: disaster is also a homicide scene. Metrodade police homicide detectives are in charge here. And
4: the first civil suit has been filed, likely the first of many. Major? Mark Strassman, thank you. Tonight, Derek Chauvin is serving the first night of his 22-and-a-half-year sentence for murdering George Floyd. At the sentencing hearing, members of Floyd's family, including his daughter, spoke emotionally about the father, the brother the man who died under Chauvin's knee. CBS's Jamie Lucas, who has been covering the case since day one, reports from Minneapolis. Minutes,
7: Derek
3: Chauvin nine, sat motionless as a motion poured out from the family of George Floyd.
6: I miss you and I love you.
3: Including Floyd's now seven-year-old daughter, Gianna. Her loss played out in court while other family members oh, addressed wrong, no, the former no, Minneapolis so police officer directly.
4: I wanted to know from the man himself what were you thinking? What was going through your head when you had your knee on my brother's neck?
0: Our family is forever broken.
4: My family and I have been given a life sentence. We would never be able to get George back. I haven't had a real nice sleep because of the nightmares I constantly have hearing my
5: brother beg and plead for his life. Find the defendant guilty.
3: Chauvin was convicted in April on three counts, including second-degree murder. The searing images of the officer's knee on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes ignited a movement. George Floyd! Asked by Judge Peter Cahill if he had anything to say, Chauvin's comments were brief.
5: I uh, do want to give my condolences to the Floyd family. Um, there's going to be some other information In the future that would be of interest and uh i hope things will give you some some peace of mind
3: minnesota's sentencing guidelines for second degree unintentional murder call for a 10 to 15 year prison term the defense asked for chauvin to be released on probation
2: he's not coming into this as a career criminal
3: But the judge agreed with prosecutors that Chauvin abused his position of trust and authority and that he treated Floyd with particular cruelty.
5: Most importantly, we need to recognize the pain of the Floyd family.
3: In the end, the sentence was 22 and a half years.
1: Like the conviction of Derek Chauvin two months ago, today's sentencing is not justice, but it is another moment of real accountability on the road to justice.
3: Chauvin now has 90 days to file an appeal, which is almost certain. He also faces those federal charges along with the three other officers involved. If he's convicted on those charges, he could face the rest of his life behind bars. Major?
4: Jimmy Ucas, thank you. We turn now to the southern border, where today Vice President Kamala Harris said the Biden administration is making, quote, extreme progress, unquote, in addressing the surge in migrants there. It was a trip long demanded by her critics, and here is CBS's Nancy Cordes.
0: It's hardly unusual for politicians to tour the border, but this trip was closely watched because of the timing. 93 days after the vice president was tapped to lead the White House response to rising migration. I said back in March I was going to come to the border, so this is not a new plan. And yet White House sources say today's trip came together so quickly it caused some confusion within the West Wing though it did not come soon enough for the GOP.
2: She avoided traveling to um, the border for more than 90 days. In that short amount of time of more than three months, there's been more than half a million encounters.
0: Republicans also questioned why Vice President Harris went to El Paso instead of the Rio Grande Valley, some 800 miles away, which is the epicenter of illegal border crossings. When did the vice president choose El Paso as the location for her first trip to the border
3: as vice president? It was the uh, place where the former president uh, kind of it was a base place of where he put in place some of his immigration policies that we felt were so problematic. Specifically, El Paso was home to the first pilot
0: program for the Trump administration's zero tolerance policy, which led to migrant children being separated from their parents. We've seen the disastrous effects of that right here in this region. Vice President Harris says she's more focused on the root causes of migration, which is why she went to Guatemala and Mexico first. But critics argue the Biden administration is just trying to distance itself from a wave of border crossing, a wave that's larger than any other since 2006. Major.
4: Nancy Cordes, thank you. Tonight, the Biden administration is suing the state of Georgia over its new voting law. The Justice Department asserts new restrictions on absentee ballots and drop boxes, among other changes, were designed specifically to limit the black vote. In response, Georgia's Republican Governor Brian Kemp accused the Biden administration of, quote, unquote, weaponizing the Justice Department to carry out what he called a far left agenda.
7: What makes a life a good one?
4: Tonight, as parts of America's heartland deal with terrible flooding, the West is about to broil in an historic heat wave. It's expected to hit 105 degrees in Portland, Oregon, and rise up to 109 on Sunday. Seattle is also bracing for an all-time high of 104. The excessive heat warnings stretch into California, Idaho, and Montana. Tonight, a man is facing criminal charges after crashing through a fence at LAX airport and leading police on a chase across two busy runways before the officers finally caught up with him. The motive for this chaos isn't clear, but the driver had SOS on the hood of his car. No one was hurt. The long-awaited Pentagon report on UFOs was released today, and it echoes the reporting from 60 Minutes that there are a lot of unexplained sightings, more than 140 since 2003, including 11 near misses with U.S. aircraft. There is no evidence, the report says, that adversaries like Russia or China are behind them. So these sightings remain a mystery. Tonight, with so many families desperate for word on their loved ones in Florida, CBS's Steve Hartman has some thoughts on their pain and the importance of hope.
2: After enduring months of heartbreak and grief, another gut punch. Search and rescue continues. The building collapse in Surfside may end up being one of the largest losses of American lives from a single event since 9-11. And although there's no comparing the two, I was at the 9-11 memorial this morning, and I was struck by one exhibit that seemed especially relevant today. The one that captures the anguish of not knowing. You may remember after 9/11 all those missing posters. Those desperate pleas that popped up on just about every flat surface in the city. 20 years later, the messages have gone online, but the suffering is the same. Torture. Ariana Hevia's mother was in the building.
3: I think I'm trying to brace myself for the worst and the best. And it's really hard just not knowing, it's just the worst part.
2: Iris Calderon has six family members in there.
3: The uncertainty is choking me
5: inside.
2: The uncertainty is choking me inside, she said. Purgatory can be hell, and grief lies ahead for many. But for now, hope is providing a bridge across the abyss, and there's not a soul in South Florida that isn't holding on to that bridge for dear life. Steve Hartman. CBS News, New York.
4: Please stay with CBS News through the weekend for new developments in the deadly Florida building collapse on CBS This Morning Saturday, the CBS Weekend News, and Face the Nation. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Major Garrett in Washington. Good night.
7: and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
3: Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast